Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Helen. And I'm Sarah. And this is the Squiggly Careers podcast. Each week we share ideas for action and tools to try out that we hope will help you and it always helps us navigate squiggly careers with a bit more confidence, clarity and control. And this week we thought we would take 10 actions from our top 10 most listened to podcasts of all time. So this is not one of those episodes before you stop listening where there's no new content. You know, those ones that can be a bit frustrating where it's just like, oh, here's an edit of things that we've done before. (laughs) We are recording this live, everyone, and there are 10 ideas for action that we're going to be talking through but what we have looked at is since we have started the podcast I don't even know what year that would be Helen 2017 was when we started the podcast crikey that does feel like a lifetime ago (laughs) we look back at the most listened to since then so sort of what are we over 300 episodes in now slightly confusingly the most listened to podcast that we've ever done is actually called 10 actions to accelerate your career development (laughs) So obviously we're not going to talk about that one because that would be a repeat. So what we've taken is the next 10 after that, (laughs) we're going to very quickly for each of them, it's going to be pretty short, sharp and specific, we hope, say what the topic is, give you one coach yourself question and one idea for action for each of them. So hopefully this will just feel like a really good bit of a refresh, bit of a reset on things that we know are important to lots of people because lots of people have listened to them. And we're going to keep it pretty pacey because there are 10 to go through, but it will all be summarised in the pod sheet for you. So pod sheets are the downloadable summaries that we do of every episode. You can always get them from Podmail, which is a weekly email we send. You can sign up for that on the website or on the website under podcast. You can just click on the relevant episode and you'll also be able to download it from the episode there as well. So I'll go first. And in at number one was our episode on how to find work-life fit, which we think is a better way of talking about the different things you're putting together than the idea of balance where everything's supposed to be in perfect alignment. And the coach yourself question that we recommend you reflect on is what have I done before that has improved my work-life fit? And the idea for action that we think is useful for you to take is to think about we fit versus I fit. So often when we're thinking about this idea of work-life fit, it becomes quite I-centric. So what can I do differently? But in reality, our ability to sort of make work-life work together 
has lots of interdependencies with other people like your your partner whoever if you've got children maybe the people that are involved in childcare, maybe your colleagues picking things up for you like there's often a lot of people that are involved in making your puzzle pieces work for you and so the idea for action here is to consider who are the three most important people to support your work-life fit so for example for me it would be my husband gareth it would be sarah who you're talking to here now And it would also be Amanda, who is the amazing person who looks after my children in the day when I'm doing all things squiggly. And those three people are really fundamental for me to make my work-life fit work. And I think it's also really important that when you've identified those people, you make sure that they know how you appreciate them because they're really fundamental to this fit working and it's important that you show that appreciation to them as well as talking to them about what that help might look like in the future to make all these different bits of your work and your life fit together so for example I might say thank you to Sarah for being so flexible because there are times sometimes when we swap things around in our diary and so I would be specific about that so I could show my appreciation and let her know how important that is for me and then I might say and ask for the future might be to protect my time when I go on the Peloton, for example, which is something for me that is a really important way that I almost have a break between my work and my home life. There's something that happens to me on Peloton, which is like a little, it just gives me that moment for me when I'm not about family and I'm not about squiggly. And it's a really important time, I think, for me and my mental health. And so asking Sarah to help me protect that time would be one way that she could help me with my work and life fit. So in at number two, one-to-ones, I really like the range of topics that we're talking about today because we go from really big zoomed out things like work-life fit to something really zoomed in and very specific, which is one-to-ones. So a coach yourself question here is what one change could you make to your one-to-one to make them better for the future? I also think this is a really great question to ask your manager. So what's the one change that they think that you could make to make those one-to-ones work better? Because it's, you know, those one-to-ones are two ways. It's about you and your manager. So maybe just thinking a bit about like, what would you change, but also asking, you know, what, what would they change? And the idea for action here is to set your agenda. What we know from brilliant people like Priya Parker, who's been on the podcast before, is that the best reasons to get together, so she talks about the idea of gatherings, but the best meetings, the best conversations always have a clear purpose and it's also the most common reason that we get frustrated or things feel like a waste of time or not a good use of our time so just thinking about have you got a clear format for your one-to-one and that might be something that you agree individually with your manager or it could be something that as a team you have a format that you all try out together sort of the ins and outs of what you talk about might be different but you all have a framework that you're trying out to see does this work for all of us so for example one of the things that we've been trying as a team really recently only over the past I'd say month or so is an agenda that starts with something called focus finder which is where we all share basically one priority for a week like what's absolutely top of the list and it's quite a good way to start because it makes you do some trade-offs it makes you be selective then we talk about commitments for either clients or maybe for collaborators so anything that we sort of know we need to deliver on then we have red flags and sometimes even reoccurring red flags and those red flags could be anything like I'm feeling overwhelmed and I need some support or it could be red flag I've spotted there's a potential issue here that we need to resolve and then looking ahead list so 
focus finder commitments red flag is all quite here and now looking ahead just encourages all of us in our team conversations and our one-to-one conversations to look that bit further ahead just into like the next week or the week after to just say oh just be mindful we know we've got this coming or it's not that far away until we've got this delivery date so are we working back from that to make sure we deliver everything we need to One good extra resource on this is HBR have just released a new article all about making the most of your one-to-one meetings. And what I liked about the article is the guy who wrote it has researched sort of one-to-ones for years and he's done, it's a really substantial amount of people that he's included in his study. But the advice and the insights are really practical. You know, it's almost, I feel like one-to-ones is one of those where if you get the brilliant basics right, you really set yourself up for success. So things like if you're a manager, don't cancel one-to-ones at the last minute. Remember, it's your one-to-one, it's not your manager's one-to-one. Just all of those things, I think sometimes we often need a bit of a reset with one-to-ones because maybe they drift or perhaps we started with good intentions and then perhaps now they're not quite where we need them to be. In at number three is our episode on how to stop being a people pleaser at work, <laughs> which is something that we know lots of people uh, struggle with at times and it, it gets in the way of their growth. So the coach yourself question here for you to reflect on is how often do I do something in my day that's just for me? And the idea for action to help you if you feel like people pleasing might be holding you back is all around how do you say no nicely? And there are a few different things that you can experiment with here to find out what feels authentic for you. So the first thing would be when somebody asks a request of you and you feel like the people pleasing might be starting to creep in, instead suggest other people who could help. Or another thing that you could do is suggest when you could help if it's not now, so you don't feel like you have to give up what else you might be working on in order to give them the support they might be looking for. Or the third thing that you can do as part of saying no nicely is explaining and involving people in your priorities. So the trade-offs that you might have to make to be able to take on the thing that they might want you to do. And the way we recommend doing this is using if then. So for example, if Sarah said, Helen, I'd really appreciate it if you could help me by writing this article. I might, if I was in people pleasing mode, just say, yeah, of course, no problem. But actually, if that was going to put a pressure on me and my workload, it would be more effective if I said to Sarah, okay, I would like to help. There are these other things that I'm working on at the moment and I might explain what they are and then say to Sarah, so if I helped you to write that article, then we would need to move that deadline back. And then what is the decision we want to make? And so you make it more collective rather than just taking lots of, you know, lots of other people's priorities into your workload. In at number four is exploring progression possibilities. And the coach self question here is, what would I like to be true about my squiggly career in 12 months time that isn't true today? And our idea for action is a tool to try out that we describe as scanning. So the way that scanning works is that you are using job descriptions as data for your development. And I'd recommend that you find five jobs that you're just really curious about. You're not applying for these roles. You've not got to worry about whether you've got any of the skills or the experiences to actually do these jobs. We're just sort of borrowing the job descriptions for a while. And so take these job descriptions, challenge yourself to go far and wide. This is not a time to stay in your lane. This is a time to go, oh, I wonder what would happen if I worked in 
this kind of company or that kind of industry or I've always been fascinated or just intrigued by you know what happens in hospitals or what it'd be like to work in a school whatever it might be and once you've got all those job descriptions do some highlighting circling underlining of the words and statements that stand out to you So often when you get these job descriptions, it won't be everything in the job description that appealed to you. Maybe there was a certain paragraph. Maybe you spot that the same word comes up four or five times. And I think the more you do this, and we've both done this loads of times over the years, and we keep doing this because we often use this exercise in our workshops. So I'm always looking for new jobs. I just sort of go, well, I'll just spend five (laughs) minutes and see, see what new jobs are there. And I think what's so useful about it is it gives you clues and reinforces kind of the more self-awareness you have, what your must-haves are wherever your career takes you. So in the context of all the uncertainty and change that we have, there aren't many constants. There aren't many things that we can keep coming back to. We've described it before as kind of your career criteria. So for example, every time I do this, it doesn't matter what job I look at, you know, it's never careers that is the consistent theme. It's always ideas it's always creating. There's always words like starting from scratch. So I just know that that's sort of top of my must-haves. Like whatever I do, wherever I go in my squiggly career, that's really, really important to me. And as a small side benefit, I do think doing this exercise increases your confidence that we all have transferable talents. So even though you're not applying for those roles, you'll think, well, one of my strengths is I am brilliant at building relationships with lots of different people and you'll start to see that skill is something that pops up in lots of different roles in lots of different places and I think it just reminds us that we've all got loads of potential and we've got lots of options and opportunities and we can't help but get a bit blinkered and almost get very focused on what we do today so I think it just expands your horizons and builds your belief a bit as well. In at number five is all about how to be a good manager. And the coach self question for you to reflect on here is how have I helped someone else succeed in their career? And I think this is a really important question because even though the episode was on how to be a good manager, I still think there's a lot that you can learn from sort of management that you can use even if you're not a manager. And the idea for action builds on this because it's all about being a strength spotter and a strengths sponsor. So strength spotting is where you proactively identify something that you think someone else does well and you let them know about it. So I might say to Sarah, Sarah, one of the things that I think you do brilliantly is give clear and specific feedback that helps people to improve. So that would be me telling Sarah about a strength that she might not be aware of in herself. And then once you've done some strength spotting, you can do some strength sponsoring, which is where you make sure that other people are aware of those strengths that you see in that person. So I might talk Sarah up, for example, in conversations where people are discussing people's talents or discussing other opportunities. And I would effectively be a sort of a positive reinforcer of what Sarah does well in that situation or conversation that she's not in. And these are things that are brilliant for you to do as a manager because you'll increase someone's opportunities and the awareness that other people have about the work they do well. But you don't just have to be a manager to be a strength spotter and a strength sponsor. We can all do that for each other. 
And we do have from earlier this year a really good simple resource on what being a strength spotter sounds like. So we'll make sure that that's in the pod sheet because I know that was really popular, but I also appreciate you might have missed it along the way. And I found that really helpful. You know, those resources that you keep recommending and coming back to, I think that's often a clue that they are useful. And I think it's a really simple thing that we could all do a lot more of in 2023. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. So in at number six is assertiveness. And your coach self question here is, when do I want to be more assertive at work? So is it with a particular person, a particular meeting, a particular project? Because usually I think when we're thinking about assertiveness, we don't want to think general or in a vague way because it often doesn't help us. Whereas when we start to think about, well, when are those moments when I'm not as assertive as I would like to be? And our idea for action here is about assertiveness shortcuts. So often I think when we want to be more assertive, we're often put on the spot in some way. Maybe someone asks us a question we hadn't anticipated, and it is kind of often that. Maybe we just feel a bit intimidated by someone or someone is just very different to us. And we sort of lose that sense of confidence and clarity that we're aiming for. And The mistake that we might make in thinking about how we sort of resolve that is thinking, I just need to prepare more. That's the sort of the standard response to, oh, I get really nervous when I put on the spot and I lose assertiveness. I just need to do more work beforehand. But that feels really unrealistic, I think, to practice so that we are perfect every time. And we don't always have that luxury of being able to be so prepared that we'll know everything. I'm not sure it's that useful as a goal to set ourselves. Instead, I think what's much more helpful is thinking about 
when you do get put on the spot or in those moments where you don't feel as assertive as you would like to, what are some of the shortcuts in terms of how you could respond? Because any shortcuts are really helpful for our brain. It gives us a bit of a default behavior to fall back on when we might be panicking a little bit. You know, when you're having that moment of being like, Oh, what like what do I do now? What do I say now? And if you've just if you can just practice some of these shortcuts, I I have certainly found them really helpful. So let's imagine now, you know, I'm in a meeting and Helen has asked me a question and I just think, I don't know the answer to that. Or maybe I start to answer and then you know when you lose your way halfway through and you're like, oh no, I don't sound very authoritative now. And I think just thinking about in that moment, like what would you maybe do differently? So firstly, if someone asks you a question and you don't know the answer, it is always okay to say that you don't know the answer, but you might want to go a bit further than that, especially if you're trying to be more assertive. So you might want to do something like saying, that's a really useful question, like, thank you, you know, thank someone for the question, and then actually try and involve rather than solve. So involve everybody in that meeting. Has anyone got any experience of how that might work that they could share with me? Like, help me understand a bit more about what that would look and feel like. And that might be that person who's asked you that question, or it could be someone else. You, know, you, you don't have to feel like, you know, the sort of the, well, we get put on the spot. I think it feels like the spotlight is on us. Mm. I think there, think about how you could share the spotlight with other people. So that's sort of one shortcut technique. One thing that I've definitely done before is summarise back to someone what they've heard, really, because I am slightly playing for time. And I think that is okay. So, you know, maybe someone's talked to you about something or they've described something and you're sort of, you're maybe a bit stuck or you're a bit unsure. It can be useful to just say, that's so interesting, Helen. So just to check that I'm understanding your suggestion properly, you're saying that we could do XXX and YYY. Am I missing anything? Or like, what have I missed there? Or is there there anything else you think is important for me to consider? And just by doing that quick summary back and then sort of asking a question back, again, it starts to feel more conversational in that moment rather than feeling like something that could feel a bit more like a you know, question answer bordering on more of that kind of interview pressure moment. So I think figure out for you, like what could some of those assertiveness shortcuts look like, but that don't always mean you need to prepare more? I really like the summarising back. It's definitely one that I use and feels quite a natural way of me sort of having that assertiveness in that situation as well. So in at number seven, building on what Sarah was talking about there with questions is how to ask better questions at work. And the coach yourself question on asking better (laughs) questions, it will all make sense, everyone, I promise, is what kind of questions am I naturally good at asking? So for example, Sarah is brilliant at asking why questions that really make us consider the bigger picture of why we are doing things. And I am sort of naturally more good at asking how questions like how could we make this happen how could we move this forward those sort of questions take us more into the detail of doing and so it sort of naturally plays to our strengths it's also quite helpful that we all work on one project together and both come at it with different questions but the idea for action here is to really start to develop your question range because there are some different types of questions that you can ask and the more able you are to identify what question type to use when the better able you are to understand different situations and come up with different solutions so here are four different questions for you to develop in your question range the first is zoom out question so one that makes you consider the bigger picture that might sound something like how does this relate to our team objectives 
So let's say I've dived into the detail. Sarah might help me zoom out by thinking about something a bit bigger, our, our team objectives. The second question is an adjoining question. So this is where you kind of join the dots between some different things you are discussing. So let's say I'm talking about starting a new project. An adjoining question that Sarah might ask me would be, what would the impact of doing that project be on the marketing team or the finance team so that you can sort of see things other than just the person who might be working on that project? The third type of question is an unlocking question. So this is really good if you're sort of going around in circles or getting a bit stuck. And it's where you use a question to sort of bring in a, a new bit of insight or a new bit of information. So this might sound like how would like our competitor or a different department or a different function, how would XXX approach this situation? And it really helps you just consider things from a different perspective. And the fourth question that can help you to develop your questioning range is a constraint question. So this is really good when it feels like it's impossible to move forward, like your budget's been cut, the deadline's been moved forward. And this question is a how might we? Because often you can get stuck in the it won't work, it's not possible. And the how might we or how could it can help you to get unstuck from those more difficult situations. So in at number eight is how to negotiate for what you need. And the coach self question here is what skills do I already have that will support me to negotiate for what I need? So for example here, I think often we think we haven't got the skills to negotiate because we think we look at negotiation as a skill and we just think, oh, I'm just not good at that. Whereas if you start to break it down a bit, if you're empathetic, you're really good at putting yourself in other people's shoes that's useful for negotiation. If you're imaginative, you'll be good at scenario planning. That's really useful for negotiation. So that's why I just want everybody to, I think everybody is better at negotiation than they give themselves credit for. But perhaps we have some maybe slightly dated or ladder-like views of what does brilliant negotiation look like and it feeling kind of very, very aggressive and quite win-lose. But I think if you start to connect the dots between the skills you've got and then how could they be useful for negotiation... I bet everybody listening is better than they give themselves credit for. And the idea for action here is called no go, good, better, best. So before starting any negotiation, I think it's really helpful to know what's your no go, what's good, what's better and what are your best outcomes. So this is essentially doing a bit of scenario planning before you even start. And I think by writing them down, so not just thinking about what they might be, but writing them down, it means that you don't lose your way if conversations become difficult or emotional, or if you get new information or alternatives. It doesn't mean that you're not open to those, but they're a useful reminder to keep coming back to, to think, okay, now that I've got this new information, what does that mean in terms of my no-go or my good like where am I at the moment in terms of this scale and maybe it feels like you are sort of letting go of one thing but it feels okay because you're still getting a lot of what was in your better option but letting go of things can feel hard so I think by having these things ready to go it helps you to stay with what matters most to you what's most important to you and also just as a reminder the most effective negotiations are typically not win-lose. The best ones are where everybody feels like they've got to a good 
outcome where they feel win-win. And actually, I was talking to a really interesting partner that we work with the other week, and they were saying to me that they have a really clear principle in terms of how they work with partners, that whenever they're maybe talking about contracts, you know, a really classic area where you might negotiate, they are very clear that they want everybody to feel like they have got to a really good resolution as part of that process. And they really care about that and just how important that is, which I thought was really refreshing. So just have those scenarios ready to go. And I think it will just set you up for success. In at number nine is how to manage your monkeys, which might feel like a very strange topic, but monkeys are effectively the tasks that you need to do. And the issue very often is that the tasks that you need to do can feel a bit overwhelming because you find yourself taking on other people's tasks or creating lots more for yourself too. So the coach yourself question here to help you manage your monkeys is how often do I feel like my to-do list is being controlled by someone else? And the idea for action to help you is to think about how you can support but not adopt the monkey. So let's imagine Sarah came to me and said, Helen, we need to sort the website out. I mean, Sarah's very likely to say something like that to me. And I might be like, okay, I mean, that is a monkey, effectively. And I'm like, right, okay, yeah, I'll put a plan together and I'll come to talk to you. Like my initial response might be to take that monkey on because Sarah's identified it. And Sarah might not really have meant for me to take the monkey, but I might just adopt it very quickly instead what would be more effective is for me to maybe get curious so that would be always before committing kind of get curious okay well what do you mean what's the priority when would that need to be done by ask some questions so I can get a little bit more data understand a little bit more about what might be driving that point from Sarah and then once I've got that information I could then say to Sarah okay so how could I help you to move that forward? And so I'm not trying to say off you go and leave Sarah with it alone. I'm trying to be supportive, but I'm also quite assertively not taking that monkey on for myself. And that is often because you've got the information, you're more aware of what's going on, but you can also just be a little bit more controlled about how you respond to it as well. And as somebody who does this quite a lot, my observation is it will probably slow things down so taking this approach does slow things down if you are someone who adopts lots of monkeys at the moment probably because you're trying to be helpful often with really good positive intent but then you become a bottleneck and your to-do list get really long it is quite useful I think to remind yourself in the moment it will feel hard because you'll probably think well I could fix this fast by just doing this I can sort of get this sorted so it will feel slower and maybe in the moment slightly more frustrating but in the medium term and quite quickly it will save you time but also you are helping other people to help themselves as well so I always remind myself of that you know often when I'm sort of offering support but equally not adopting that monkey sort of going sort of often doesn't feel great in that very specific moment but we sort of have to live with that because we know it's worth it. And our final one in at number 10 is when to lead and when to follow. So the coach yourself question here is what's one project I'm working on where it's helpful for me to follow? And what's one project I'm working on when it's helpful for me to lead? So again, just being really clear about when you might want to move modes, following versus leading. And the idea for action here is leading versus following skill spikes. 
So to help you to move those modes to adapt and have the agility that we all need to have, I think regardless of what job we do, we all spend some time leading and some time following. I think it's helpful to know, well, what are the different skills that you want to spike in when you're leading versus following? Because your skills and your behaviours should look and feel different when you're in those different modes. So this will obviously be unique to you and the skills that you bring. But just to give you a few examples, in leading mode, a skill spike could be, I'm going to take the role of summarising actions and outcomes at the end of a meeting. So kind of the skill might be summarising. Or another leading skill might be listening. So you might think, well, in this project where I'm in leader mode, I'm going to really increase my listening versus talking ratio because I see my job as a leader here to facilitate the discussion, not to dominate the discussion, for example. In follower mode, a skill spike might be increasing your curiosity or your your time spent borrowing brilliance from other places because you want to add more ideas into discussions that you see that as part of your role in kind of follower mode in that project is to kind of bring thoughts and oh this could be interesting or what about this so you might be kind of in more in creator mode so we hope you have found that quite quick fire 10 different ideas for action linked to our top 10 podcasts are useful and helpful we know there's quite a lot of information there so we will as we said we'll summarize it in the pod sheet for you we'll do an asset that can go on social which is normally our pod summary so you can swipe through this stuff so there's lots of ways that you'll be able to sort of reflect on it after you've listened and take action but hopefully it's a little bit of a build particularly if you're a regular listener as well it might take you back to some of the episodes that you've heard before Thank you to everybody who continues to support Squiggly. You recommend us, you write reviews and you just get in touch with us and let us know what's working and give us ideas for other topics, which we always really appreciate. We hope you've had a good year and we're so excited for where your Squiggly careers are going to take you in 2023. We'll be back with you again soon. Bye for now. Bye everyone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.